What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. It's Masters Week. The practice rounds are in full swing, and the Champions Dinner is happening right now as I speak on Tuesday night. Tiger and Phil are in the same room, and there's a bunch of great storylines going on. But off the course, the money and business behind this event is fascinating. It's a $150 million annual business, and they leave hundreds of millions of dollars on the table. So I'm going to break it all down for you guys today. Let's get right into it. All right, we all know what Augusta National Golf Club is. It's one of the most iconic venues in sports. The road in is called Magnolia Lane. It's exactly 330 yards long and includes 61 pristine magnolia trees on each side of the road. The clubhouse is nearly 170 years old, and U.S. presidents have routinely flown to Georgia to play the world-class course. This level of detail and luxury is most apparent at the Masters Tournament, though. A grounds crew, for example, of more than 100 people cut the fairways every single morning to exactly three-eighths of an inch. The walkways across the property have heated sub-air systems underneath them so no one slips and falls. And the merchandise shop, this is the craziest stat, does $1 million in revenue every single hour. But those numbers only scratch the surface when it comes to the money and business behind golf's greatest tournament. That's because the Masters is complicated. And they don't play by the traditional rules. They do what they want, when they want. And the result is one of the most exclusive events in sports history. So here's everything you need to know about the business behind the Masters. Let's start with some context, though. The Masters is an annual golf tournament held at Augusta National Golf Club in Augusta, Georgia. The tournament was first held in 1934, and this is the 87th edition of the tournament. It is one of the four major golf championships each year and roughly 100 players are invited to the tournament each year. This year's field will be competing for a $15 million purse. The winner is going to be getting $2.7 million, and each person after that, it, it reduces, right? So they gradually get less and less and less until the last place finisher gets a check for $37,800. So the winner gets $2.7 million, second place is $1.6, third place is a million, fourth place is $720,000, Fifth place is 600,000. And then the last five people, call it 46 through 50, are getting somewhere between $46,000 and thirty-seven dollars to $38,000. So big, big, big purse. It's $15 million. This is actually the same number as last year, but it's one of the bigger ones in golf. And, and obviously, it carries a lot of prestige with winning because the winner also gets the iconic green jacket. Now, here's something interesting about the green jacket that some people don't know. The player is allowed to take the green jacket home for one year to celebrate. Basically, until the next year's Masters, they get to maintain the jacket in their possession. They can take it around. They can wear it to events. They can do whatever they want with it. But then they have to return the green jacket to their locker at Augusta National, and it can't leave the property after that. So it has to stay on the property. When you visit the property every year, you're allowed to put it on for the champion's dinner if you come there on a different day, but it cannot leave the property after that year. And this is super interesting because last year, one of these jackets actually sold at auction. There's a story about this individual in 1994 that found a green jacket at a thrift store, a thrift store in Toronto, Canada, and purchased it for $5. Literally, they found it at a thrift store in Toronto, Canada and purchased it for $5. I don't know if they knew it was real. I don't know what they were doing, but they found it there. They purchased it. And last year it sold at auction. Take a guess. $140,000. Not a bad flip right there, $5 to $140,000. But when it comes to the business, 
There is only one word to describe the Masters Tournament at Augusta National Golf Club, and that word would be secrecy. You see, unlike most golf clubs, which operate as nonprofits, Augusta National is registered as a for-profit corporation. This means they don't get to claim tax-exempt status on their earnings, but it also means that they don't need to disclose the club's income, holdings, membership list, renovation plans, ticket sales, or frankly, anything else. At the end of the day, this offers them privacy, but more importantly, it offers them control. For example, the Masters Tournament reportedly brought in $141 million in revenue last year, according to Forbes. About 75% of that came from merchandise and ticket sales, and the remaining 25% came from international TV rights and concession sales. So if you just break it down on a per-category basis, there's four main categories. Merchandise is about $70 million, or 50% of the total last year. Tickets are about $40 million, 28% of the total. International TV rights are $25 million, 18% of the total. And concessions are $8 million, or about 5% of the total. Now, these are estimates because no one really knows. There's a few articles that have come out and some people from Augusta have secretly talked about it over the years. And people are essentially just you know, using a compounded annual growth rate over the years. I think it grows at about 8% every single year. So they extrapolate that out and they get the numbers from that. Again, maybe it's a few million here or there, but roughly the tournament generates about $141 million in annual revenue. Those four main categories are the ones that make it up. Now, here's the most interesting part. Despite generating nearly $150 million in revenue during just four days, a four-day weekend each year plus the practice rounds, Augusta National and the Masters Tournament intentionally, intentionally leave hundreds of millions of dollars on the table. Hundreds of millions of dollars. They just leave on the table. They don't maximize earnings. So I'm going to walk you through each category now, and I'll explain where some of this comes from, where they can maximize more money, what they're doing well currently. So let's start with merchandise. The Masters has perfected its merchandise business. They are one of the only large-scale sporting events in the world to limit merchandise sales strictly to in-person attendees only. And that feeling of exclusivity generates about $70 million in sales each year. Now, I want to frame this in a different way. $70 million sounds like a lot, but I want to give you some context around how much that really is, right? So there's seven days for the tournament, Monday through Sunday. It's open, uh, let's say it's open 10 hours a day. I don't know the exact hours for the store, but I think that's probably correct. That means that Augusta National is selling $10 million of merchandise a day. It means that they're selling $1 million of merchandise an hour. It means that they're selling $16,000 worth of merchandise every single minute. And it means that they're selling $277 worth of merchandise every single second for seven days straight for 10 hours a day. And if you don't believe me, there's a picture that I put in the newsletter today that shows the line to get into the merchandise shop for Monday's practice round. It's hundreds, hundreds, probably thousands of people deep. You must have been waiting in that line for hours. I've never been to Augusta. I've never been to the Masters, but it does not look like a fun line to wait in but you have no choice because they don't sell the stuff online. So you go there, someone actually messaged me on Twitter today and they said they were standing next to someone in line that spent $6,000 on their bill. They just bought everything, 6,000 bucks. And to be honest, that's not really surprising. I've seen pictures on social media. I've seen other people talking about it. When you go there, it may be your only time going there. Maybe you won the tickets. Maybe someone else is bringing you, whatever the case is. It may be the one and only time in your life that you or your friends or someone else goes to Augusta. So 
there could be that you want a bunch of stuff, your family members want a bunch of stuff, your friends want a bunch of stuff, whatever it is. You may want to sell some of the stuff. I don't know. So you go and you buy a bunch of things. And that is how the Masters has perfected it. Now, the, the, the stuff is so exclusive that people are willing to pay ridiculously high markups on the secondary market when they can't attend the event. So we'll get to tickets in a moment. But if you can't go to the event, maybe you're willing to purchase some of this stuff online. And I think the funniest example probably is the garden gnomes. So for those that don't know, the Masters and Augusta National started selling garden gnomes in 2016. It's a different design. It's literally a garden gnome. If you, you know, I mean, people know what a garden gnome is. And there's a different design each year. They change it. And it only costs $50. But you can only buy one per customer. And I guarantee you right now, I looked it up before I got on this podcast. If you go on eBay, there's garden gnomes listed for nearly $500. It's an 850% markup, nearly 1,000% markup. $50 to almost $500 for the garden gnomes. It says new, 2019, Masters Garden Gnome, authentic Augusta National Golf Course, Tiger Woods. The garden gnome. And that's just a sign of what it is, right? The t-shirts are the same stuff. The hats are the same stuff because you cannot buy the, the officially licensed stuff anywhere else but in the store. This is where the Masters leaves certainly a little bit of money on the table. There are millions of people that watch the tournament every single year on home at home that I'm sure would love to buy merchandise online like Formula One does, like the NFL does, like the MLB does, like NHL, like MLS, like the NBA, like every other major sports league does, every other major tournament, et cetera. And the Masters doesn't do that. They just limit it to in-person attendees only. It's obviously cool because you can only buy stuff there. The sales are outrageous, but they're leaving money on the table. It's a fact. They could be selling more stuff online. People would still buy stuff in person. You could have some exclusive stuff, whatever it is. They're leaving money on the table. I don't hate it, right? It is what it is. Go to the Masters if you want to be able to do it. It's obviously tough to get tickets, but that's the difficult part for a reason. But that brings me to the next point, which is Masters tickets. And what I say when I talk about the tickets is the odds are not in your favor because the Masters has one of the most unique ticketing policies in sports. The tickets are known as badges and the, the, the fans are known as patrons. So badges and patrons. But rather than selling them online to the highest bidder on the open market, Augusta National selects attendees each year through a lottery system. Fans enter their information on the Masters website, and they're selected through a lottery. The percentage chance I read online, I don't know how accurate this is. I'm not exactly sure how they figured this out. I'm assuming Augusta once said how many people applied and they backed into it. But there are several websites that claim the percentage chance of you winning is 0.55% chance. So about half of 1% chance of winning a single-day tournament ticket. But if you do win... The tickets are much cheaper than other high-profile events like the Super Bowl or the World Series or the Stanley Cup or anything like that. Of course, though, if you do win, there are some people that do sell them on the secondary market, and you can expect to pay 10 times or 15 times or even sometimes 20 times what the face value of that ticket is through Augusta. For example, a single-round practice ticket that you would win through the Augusta lottery costs $100. A single-day ticket for uh, a round Thursday through Sunday costs $140. And a week-long and four-day pass is about $450. So a four-day pass is $450. That single practice round that you could buy for $100 from Augusta is averaging a secondary sales price of $1,225 right now on StubHub and other marketplaces like that. So $100 to $1,200, basically. The single-day ticket during the round is going from $140 to $1,700. And the week-long badge, the four-day pass, is $450 to $5,300. $5,300. So if you want to go on the secondary market, you didn't win the auction, you don't have another way of getting in, you have to buy a ticket that ranges anywhere from $1,200 for a practice round to $5,300 for a, 
for a four-day pass. Now, I was tweeting about this a little bit earlier, and people were giving shit. They're saying, hey, man, yeah, the concessions might be cheap and all this other stuff, but the tickets are outrageously expensive. But the fact is that Augusta doesn't make any of that money on the secondary sales. They only make money on the practice round tickets, the single-day tickets, and the four-day passes on the primary market. They have a no-resale policy, but obviously that doesn't always work. There are more than 200,000 people that attend the Masters every single year. I think there's like 40,000 during a practice day, and there's like 50,000 during the tournament rounds. And they're leaving a crap ton of money on the table because of this, right? Even if you just charged 50% of the secondary market price, so like 600 bucks or like seven or 800 bucks for the single day tickets during the rounds, or like 2,500 bucks for a four day pass. That equals out to $145 million in revenue that they're leaving behind. $145 million. That's insane. Now, look, I'm not saying they should increase the prices. I think it's freaking awesome that they sell the tickets for $100, $140, or even $450 for four days. I think that's incredible. There's badges that people have been able to keep over, you know, 50 plus years. And it's awesome. It's really, really, really cool that they do that. I don't think that they should necessarily raise the prices, but it's cool to see. And it's it's important to note that they could maximize this. The Super Bowl, how much are those tickets, right? The World Series, how much are those tickets? They're much, much, much more than the Masters tickets. And Augusta deserves credit for doing the auction, for allowing people to do it. Again, the odds are not in your favor. You have a 0.55% chance of actually winning the auction. I still do it every year. I've done it for five or six years. I haven't won. You should continue to do it. If you don't want to go, one of your friends will want to go. I'll want to go. Hit me up. Whatever it is, I will go. This episode is sponsored by SoFi. SoFi is the all-in-one finance app, helping you bank, borrow, invest, and save. SoFi's mission is to help members achieve financial independence and realize their ambition, all in one app. It's the single app you need to get your money right. I'm a SoFi member, and I love it. SoFi is legit, and they comply with the strict regulatory standards of the FDIC, so you can be sure that your money is safe. Visit SoFi.com slash Joe Pompliano to learn more. That's SoFi.com slash Joe Pompliano. All right, let's get back to this episode. That brings me to the next point, because while tickets are not that expensive and they make a bunch of money on merchandise, concessions are the real story when it comes to the price at the Masters. I joke that there are three certainties in life, death taxes and cheap concessions at the Masters. Augusta National has become famous for its cheap concession prices. For example, a sandwich and beer will run you only $6.50. And you can literally buy every single item from sandwiches to breakfast to beverages and to snacks, everything from Georgia peach ice cream to chicken biscuits to barbecue sandwiches to beers to wine, whatever it is. You can buy one of literally every single thing on the Augusta menu for $66. $66. You can buy one of literally everything. You will never be hungry again. And for context, just to give you some clarity around how cheap that is, the average NFL stadium last year charged about $10 for a beer, for a 16-ounce beer. The most expensive stadium, I think, was the Philadelphia Eagles. They were charging, I think it was over $15, don't quote me, $15, $16 for a beer. And the cheapest stadium was the Falcons. And there's a couple other teams that charge similar prices, but theirs was maybe $6 or $7 for a beer. But the average is about $10 for the NFL. And you can get a beer and a sandwich for $6.50 at Augusta. You can get every single item on the menu for $66. It's obviously a great deal, objectively. And the Masters has kept these prices low and relatively consistent over the last few decades, basically to ensure that fans have a good time when they're on the grounds. There was an Augusta National representative that talked to Fox Business a few years ago, and here's what they said. They said, we have to remember, the total cost of event attendance includes travel and transaction costs. 
the cost of the ticket itself, as well as any parking, concessions, and souvenirs purchased. So one way to make the overall experience more appealing to the consumer is to keep the price of these complimentary products like concessions low. Not that Augusta has an issue with this, but I think the affordable concession pricing is an appealing aspect of the consumer experience. I couldn't agree more. I think it's awesome. It goes viral every day. Literally, I tweeted about it today. It has 15,000 likes, millions of impressions. People love it. They think it's awesome, especially when you're going to other sporting events today, which will take an arm and a leg if you want concessions. And the craziest part of all of this is when you adjust for inflation, the food at Augusta has actually gotten cheaper over time. Literally has gotten cheaper over time. It's growing, I think, at like a 1.5 or 1.6 annually adjusted pace for inflation, rate of inflation, which is obviously below the average, especially over the last few years. And it's just cool to see. I mean, a $1.50 sandwich, where can you beat that? A, uh, a $5 beer, you can't beat that at a sporting event. You can get uh, a breakfast sandwich for $3. You can get ice cream for $1.50. It's awesome. You're not going to leave hungry. You're going to have a good time. But that brings me to the last point and the biggest point of the entire thing when it comes to the Masters, TV money and sponsorships. For an annual golf tournament with astronomically high secondary market ticket prices, we've already talked about this stuff, right? $70 million in merchandise sales and $1.50 sandwiches. Those are all like interesting in their own right. Like each one of those would be an individual story. But there's one revenue component that is more interesting than all of those, media rights. And that's because the Masters tournament doesn't currently make any money from domestic TV rights. They sell the international, but they don't make any money when it comes to domestic TV rights here in the United States. Instead, Augusta National allows ESPN and CBS to broadcast the tournament for free each year in exchange for full and complete control of TV production. The Masters essentially says, hey, look, we don't want to mess this up. Our brand is so, 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 so important to us. It's literally driving this whole thing. It's making everything iconic. It's making it legendary. It's making it luxury. It drives everything we want to do. And we want control over it on TV. And the perfect example of this is that the Masters only has six sponsors. I don't think many people know this. The Masters only has six sponsors. AT&T, Delta, IBM, Mercedes-Benz, Rolex, and UPS. Six sponsors. You won't find any on-course signage. There won't be any signage for those sponsors on the course. Literally none. You won't see it anywhere. But they have those deals. And those six sponsors agree to collectively share just four minutes of TV commercial time per hour. So every hour during the Masters broadcast, those six sponsors split four minutes of TV time. And the reason why this is important is because the Masters uses the money that they get from those sponsors strictly just to pay for production costs. So they say, ESPN, CBS, you guys come in. We'll take care of the production costs with the revenue we get from these sponsors, and we're going to have full and complete control. We're going to tell you what to do, where to sit, what you should and shouldn't say, all of this stuff, right? So they have specific words that they're allowed to use on camera. They, they control everything. And I think that's a huge part of it because this is the biggest area that they're leaving money on the table. They're basically saying, look, the prestige is so big that we're unwilling to relinquish control of TV production and even sponsorships. And in return... We could probably be making over $100 million a year on the broadcast rates. Some of the rounds are 10, 15 million viewers. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they're very, very, very popular. There's a reason why the NFL makes a bunch of money, the NBA, college basketball, whatever it is. All of these sports make a bunch of money because they get millions of viewers. The Masters is right up there for one weekend. They could get over $100 million for the event. They don't do it. They want to control it. They leave a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of money on the table. And it's surprising, right? Because the international media rights are $25 million. You could be losing 
probably, if we're being realistic, $200 million when you add in sponsors, because the corporate sponsors are a big category. It's obviously not as big as media rights, but say the media rights are 120, 150, I don't know. Corporate sponsors are 50, whatever it is. You could be making up a bunch of money there that they're leaving on the table. So when it comes to the business side of stuff, the Masters is leaving probably, Forbes estimated last year, there was an article, they said, I think it was like 270, it was $269 million they claim that the Masters is leaving on the table by not maximizing revenue, right? So maybe it's a little bit less if you say, okay, they do this or they don't do this. But ultimately, if they maximize revenue and you took someone there and you said, hey, your sole goal is to make this tournament that's already incredibly popular, just bring in as much revenue as possible. You would bring in an additional $270 million, according to Forbes last year, through TV rights, through corporate sponsorships, through concessions, through merchandise, through all of that stuff. The Masters obviously doesn't do that. It's an awesome, awesome, awesome tournament. Golf fans love it. Non-golf fans love it. And I think that that's why it's so great, right? Like the Masters, you can complain about Augusta and some of the things that they do to limit exposure or revenue or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it all goes into the allure of the place the way that people feel about the Masters, the way that people look at the Masters. And I think that's a huge part of it. The annual revenue has grown since 1997 at an 8% compounded annual growth rate from $22 million to $141 million. So the revenue is still growing slow and steady. They could obviously be maximizing. The tournament has become much more popular. Inflation has taken hold. They haven't done that. I think it's incredibly cool. But there's a couple more stats I want to throw at you before we end today. The economic impact. 200,000 people live in the town. There's another 200,000 people coming into the town. It's estimated that the Masters brings a $100 million economic impact to the town of Augusta, Georgia, through tourist spending on entertainment, food, and lodging alone. You heard that, right? $100 million. That's insane. That's like Super Bowl numbers for a weekend there. Again, 200,000 people come in. And the other big part to mention here is housing. I was tweeting about this earlier in the week. The housing numbers for what happens in Augusta is crazy. Augusta is not like a big tourist town outside of the Masters. Yeah, maybe you go play the course or whatever, but you're not going to be in Augusta unless you're there to do something around that, right? The average person. But there's this thing called the Augusta Rule, which was put specifically in place by the IRS because of the rentals that happen in Augusta. So people buy these homes, they fix them up, and then they rent them out. And most of your rental revenue actually just comes from the one week. So I tweeted out this house, and it was the perfect example because this couple bought this home for $190,000 in 2021. It's half a mile from the course, from Augusta National. They bought it for $190,000. They then spent $250,000 to renovate it. So we're up to like $440,000. I don't like to do public math, but I think that's correct. And now they rent it out for $30,000 during the Masters Tournament Week. A player rented it, they said, this week. It was an article, I think, on Golf.com or one of these, yeah, Golf Digest. And a player rented it out. They got $30,000 for the week, and they get $2,500 during a normal week. So that's obviously an incredible deal. They're going to make their money back in just a few short years, depending on kind of how they structured the deal, if they used a loan, whatever it is. But it's a great return. They're getting probably 20% on their money every single year just from those weeks alone. And it's really, really, really impressive. Now, that's not the only one. In this Golf Digest article, they talk about the market in general. They said the best houses typically rent from like 30000 to 70000 for the week, depending on how many bedrooms, how luxurious it is, the location, and so forth. But there's some houses that can run in the six figures. There's brands that are buying these houses or renting these houses for the week. They're hosting parties there. Roy McElroy famously rents two houses during the week. He has one for him and his family, and then there's one for his staff, which is like his team and everyone else. 
there's other people that go on vacation. One of the big things in Augusta is you rent out your house. Even if it's not a rental property, you just do it for the week and you get out of town because if you can get $10,000 or $20,000 or $30,000, there's someone I know actually, someone was tweeting about this the other day in my comments and they were saying they have a buddy that lives in Augusta. Regular guy, has a regular job, regular family, like whole deal, doesn't even golf, all of that, whatever. And he rents out his house every single year. And he takes a portion of that money, call it like 60, 70%, and does renovations on his house. And the rest of the money they use to go on a sick vacation. That's what a lot of families do. So it makes sense. But the other part of this too that I alluded to earlier is the tax code. So there's this thing called the Augusta rule in the tax code. And what it does is it basically enables homeowners to rent out their home for 14 days per year without requiring them to report the rental income on their individual tax return. Let me say that again. You can rent out your home for up to 14 days per year and you're not required to report that rental income on your individual tax return. This is the the rule was established initially because of what was happening in Augusta. So Augusta people were renting out their house, the IRS changed it, now anyone can go do it. But it's dubbed the Augusta rule because of that. So super interesting stuff there on the economic side of the rentals. But now that we're talking about real estate, there's one other thing that I think is fascinating that people have to keep an eye on. Augusta National since 1999 has spent $200 million $200 million on real estate properties outside of their current property. That includes 100 plus property purchases and 270 acres in total around its golf club. So the existing golf club, they've purchased $200 million of real estate properties and, and 270 acres in total around the property. They have started to bulldoze homes. They've created new parking lots for guests. They've also purchased a shopping center that's around the street from the course for $26 million. That included them purchasing a Wendy's, a Steinmar, and a Publix. And the question is like, what are they going to do with this? And I don't think anyone really, really, really knows. They've expanded the property a little bit in the past. There's rumors that they want to build an exit directly off the highway to the club. So basically, you can exit the highway and go directly to the club. No one knows if that's exactly what's going to be happening. There's an interesting Wall Street Journal article that came out in 2019 that shows you some of the plots. So I would recommend going to check that out. I'll link it in the newsletter. But when you go check out the plots, it's obvious that they're planning something. There's real estate being purchased right around the course. Maybe they're going to be expanding whatever it is. But the Wall Street Journal article makes an interesting point. They say, Augusta National plans 20 years ahead when it comes to real estate. So whatever you think that they're doing, it's already 20 years into the future. That's how far ahead they're planning. And obviously, just like everything the club does, it's shrouded in mystery. They don't want you to know what's going on. Regardless, it is super, super fascinating. Some of the other interesting stuff that I've seen so far this week is the crow's nest. I don't know if you guys have seen the crow's nest. The crow's nest is extremely fascinating. It is a lodge, essentially, uh, that is on the top floor, the third floor of the clubhouse in Augusta. There are seven amateurs this year competing in the tournament. Each of them will stay at least one night in the crow's nest. Essentially what it is, is it's this place. It kind of looks old at this point, but a lot of amateurs have stayed there. Tiger Woods stayed there. Jack Nicklaus stayed there. Phil Mickelson stayed there when they were competing in their first Masters tournament. It's cool. It's historic. A bunch of people have done it. I think it's a cool tradition. Some people were complaining that it's not updated. Who cares? It's awesome. Uh, Tiger Woods had a monster crowd for his practice round today. I was joking about it with a friend earlier. Tiger doesn't move the needle. He is the needle. Golf is going to miss him sorely when he ends up eventually retiring. I'm very happy that he's playing in the Masters. I think he's like a 5,000 to 1 odds or whatever it is. So he's not expected to win the tournament. He's not even necessarily expected to compete. But I don't think he's missed the cut at the Masters. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where he ends up during the rest of the week. But it's going to be an awesome tournament. Personally, I don't know if you can bet against 
guys like Scheffler or Don Ram or whoever it is. But I'm looking forward to an awesome tournament. I hope you guys enjoy it too. On the business side, this is one of the most interesting things in sports. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share this with your friends. I want to start growing this podcast a little bit more and a little bit quicker. Subscribe to the feed, share it with your friends. Let me know, send me feedback on Twitter, email, newsletter, whatever it is. I want to hear more about what you guys think of these episodes, how I can improve them, what other topics I can be talking about, and we'll get better together. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy the tournament. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, I appreciate you listening to The Joe Pomp Show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify so that you don't miss any episodes going forward. And if you are looking for additional content, check out my daily newsletter at readhuddleup.com or follow me on Twitter at Joe Pompliano. I hope you have a great day and I'll see you next time.